Yeah, so we're recording. Uh, welcome, Traver, to the Wild Thank you. Podcast. Thank you for having me, guys. What time is it where you guys are? Uh, it's uh, quarter past seven in the evening. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. We're a little bit, my day's just starting. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, it's, it's, it's fantastic to have you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, yeah, we're going to have a super interesting conversation. I think I'm super excited about this. We're going to talk about the book you wrote, uh, about men's work in general, how to reach men, uh, mm. and a lot more. And we're just going to flow into it. So, Nils, if you want to kick it off. Yeah, I, I would love to. Um, yeah, your book, Traver. That's uh, obviously the, the big, uh, I think, project that's been uh, in your life since... 2019 um yeah i guess the obvious first question would be what made you write this book it's a it's a bit of a multifaceted answer and you know i'll keep it relatively short is that for whatever reason men started finding me after i wrote my first book which was all on divorce and i was shocked that men reached out to me my entire as you guys know self-development uh, etc. I was an acupuncturist. So I was very much in the feminine world. And yet guys kept randomly emailing me and saying, Hey, I read your book about divorce. I'm going through one. I'm not doing well, or my brother's not doing well. My friend's not doing well. Do you have any advice for him? And so I started just having conversations with men. I, I didn't know what to do and I didn't have a platform. I didn't really have a business. So I would just be like, send me your phone number. I just get on a phone call with these guys and like, I don't know, I got nothing to do today. Let's just chat. And yeah. those conversations started me seeing patterns and I could look at a guy going through a divorce and say, Oh, this isn't about money. It's about boundaries. This isn't about sex. It's about integrity. This isn't about, you know, your wife not being in love with you. It's like, you have no purpose. You have no mission. You're, you have no drive. She's lost respect for you. And, and I don't know how that came in other than some of the work I had had to do myself. And so I started coaching men and just saying, you know, is the magic, someone said, you should really charge for this. And I was like, charge for what? For taking phone calls? Oh, that's right, people do that. Okay. And so that became a business of working with men. And then guys, it was the same. It was the same conversation over and over and over. Or I would make a social media post and women would ask, how do I share this with a guy? How do I get guys to read this? And I thought, huh, I want to write a book. I didn't know what it would be about. I just, that was in me. And so I took the conversations and I sat down one day and said, okay, what are 90 things that I talk about all the time that I would want a man to know who's just starting this journey or doesn't even know that the journey exists, but is dissatisfied with where he is now? And in a flood, it was like two hours of just, I would want this, 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 and this. And at the time, guys, this is, I don't know if it was as big in Europe, but Me Too had just started happening here. It was really in the forefront of the conversation in the US. Yeah, I remember that. I kept reading every morning, right? It was like, so-and-so has gotten caught with like a button in his office that locks the door and he then molests his interns. And you're like, holy shit, how does this even exist in the world? And, and what was coming out of the media at the time, and I was living in New York City, 
was coming out of the media was men are broken, men are damaged, men are awful, men are bad, men are evil, boys are all fucked up, anything to do with male is bad. And what I was missing was, and this is what we do about it. Mm. Every one of those articles outlined clearly things of like, you're right. That's true. That's, that's, that's true. Not, not for everybody, but that's very true. But nothing said, here's how we solve this. Mm. So I got, I got really angry. I was like, you guys are just like putting a problem in our faces, but you're not teaching men how to solve it. And so I thought, okay, what's the best way that I can get information into a guy's hand? The barrier to entry of him calling me is huge. The barrier of entry of reading an Instagram post and then just not like, okay, that was interesting and scrolling past it, huge. So what if I took this and created it in a format that at two o'clock in the morning, if a guy's struggling, he can pick it up and open it. Or if he's on a trip, he can do it. He can do it not secretly, but you know, for us guys, we don't want to admit that we have a challenge. So we do a lot of things behind the scenes. Mm. Right. If I'm in debt, I may read financial books, but I'm not going to go tell all my buddies like, yeah, I'm in a real, I don't know how to make money. So I wanted a way for a guy to close his door and then get the information. Hmm. And so I just, for six, eight weeks, guys, I just wrote literally 10, 12 hours a day. I locked myself in a house. I didn't talk to people. I got very ill at the end of it. it I don't recommend it, but it just like flew out of me uh, for weeks on end. And then the unique piece of the story, if you've seen the book, is that I was dating a designer at the time and she took it. Yeah. And she said, if you write this as like a black print on white paper, you know, standard novel, nobody's going to read it. So give it to me and let me turn it into a piece of art. And I was like, okay, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know what you do with pictures and colors and shit like that. That's not my forte. And when she handed it back to me, I went, oh, wow, this is, this is exactly what it needs to be for a man to look at it and go, huh, turn to a single page and go, wow, that was, that was short. That was clear. He used the word fuck a lot. Used the word pussy a couple times. I'm still in this. Wait a minute. He used consciousness. I don't, that one's scary, but let me, <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm open to talking about that. And so that's really how it came about. And it has been a wild journey. The, the book hasn't even been out for a year yet. It's right. just now still making its way into the world and, and doing what it was supposed to do. Nice. That's really like a gift of the feminine, huh? Her taking that book and turning it into something that's, that's readable or, or, yeah, just really. That. Yeah, I just got chills. Then. Yeah, she was a, she's a genius, right? And it, the collabor this, this book is a complete collaboration. It's my words and her vision. And she would challenge me over and over and over too of saying, right. you can say this more strongly. You can be more abrasive with this. You can be more aggressive with this. Do you really want this word in here? And if you, if you notice, there's four chapters in there on love. Mm -hmm. Fight for your love, fucking love feed your love, feel your love. And when I was done with the first manuscript, I sent it to her, a woman named Fern. And she called me about an hour later and said, you have 63 or 60 chapters here for men. 
on fighting, on fucking, on working out, on being strong and integrity, on boundaries. You don't have a single chapter on love. Right. <laughs> like talk about like called to the carpet, right? I was like, I don't want to write about love. It's like, well, I think you may have to write about love. And so what I did was I sat there for a minute. I, I actually called someone else and, and was, was having a conversation. Like, yeah, she wants me to write about love. I don't want to write about love. I have this, I, and then it, woof, it just, I, I told the woman, I remember saying, I have to go right now. I hung up the phone, went downstairs to my little writing area and made a deal with myself. Like you cannot leave this chair until you've written four chapters on love. And you guys, I cried. I like threw shit off the desk. I tried to get up from the chair a number of times and it was like, sit your ass down. And those four chapters are perhaps the most profound of the book or the thing, the chapters I get the most comments on. Mm. So it truly was this beautiful interplay of the masculine and the feminine and yeah. her inspiring me and then just sprinkling her own magic on top of it as well. Yeah. And then actually that information coming through also and, and working out in a way that, that it's, yeah, it became these beautiful chapters. Yeah. It, it was a magical process. Like it was a hard process, mm. but when I look back on the creation of the book and, and how much, how many people came together, what came out of nowhere, like why that woman was in my life for that period. It, it was just divinely ordained is the only way I can put it and had nothing to do with me. It was just like you little bald guy, we're going to use you as a vessel, sit down, shut up and start using your fingers. And I was like, yeah. okay, okay, I'll do that. And apparently you were open to that also. Wide open to it. Yeah. Some, somehow like, yeah, no, whatever. I'm just going to continue coaching or do whatever, but somehow, yeah. Yeah. And it's, if, if you haven't written, anyone who's written a book knows it is an extremely expensive process energetically. Well, this guy just wrote his first book. So congratulations. <laughs> so you, you're probably exhausted, right? And, and tired of thinking about it and tired of talking about it. But yet it's this extraordinary thing that you then get to hold in your hand. Yeah. You know, when I was done with the initial writing, I flew to New York city and was, uh, I was, I wrote it here in Colorado and I flew to New York and I was walking down the street with one of my best friends and I stopped him and said, I think I need to go to the hospital. And he was like, dude, what's, what's going on with you? And I was like, there's something wrong with my head. And I have had no history of mental illness or depression, nothing at all. And he starts talking to me like, well, how do you feel? I was like, I don't know. I, I can't see straight. I don't know which way is up. I can't get in touch with my emotions. He goes, how many people have you talked to in the last six, eight weeks? I was like, zero. How many times have you been to the gym in the last six, eight weeks? I was like, zero times. He goes, all right, here's the deal. We're not going to the hospital. We're going to the gym. And he took me to the gym in his building. And for about two hours, we just trained and trained and trained. And then afterwards, like, how do you feel? I was like, I think my mental illness is gone. I just <laughs> I just needed to be around some humans and do some exercise. Yeah. But that was the birthing process of the book just took over my entire life. Right. And coming back to the, to the sort of the content of the book, is it possible to sort of speak in, I guess, general terms about the content of the book? What's, if any, sort of the central message of the book or what's the, yeah, what's the gist of it? 
for for listeners who who are unfamiliar with you or or haven't read the book yet sure the the central theme was the paradigms are broken or the paradigms of masculinity are both outdated they don't work there is the nice guy paradigm there's the new age sensitive guy Right. And then there is, at least here in the U S especially, we all know the 1950s Marlboro man. Mm. And one was like hyper-masculine hates the feminine, scared of the feminine, scared of the feminine within himself. The other is hyper-feminine wounded or traumatized around the masculine. And everything that I saw in society was pushing guys towards one or the other. Mm. Uh, standard society was pushing us towards the sensitive new age guy, right? Everything masculine is bad men bad boys bad making like aggression bad wrestling bad everything's toxic everything's toxic masculinity and yet the the response to that was the 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 opposite was fuck it we're just going to go all in like everybody needs to be a navy seal this weekend don't worry emotions are stupid i was like well shit somewhere what if we took the best of the two and said hey i know a lot of guys that really enjoy working out they really enjoy sex. They really enjoy fast cars, but they, they literally can't tell you how they're feeling in any given moment. And I know a number of guys who can tell you these beautiful poetic expressions on their emotions, but they can't, they're not doing anything in the world. They don't feel connected to their power, to their strength, to bringing anything into the world. Mm-hmm. So when I looked at those two paradigms, the reason the book has its name is that's what civilization is offering us. So if, what if we left the civilized paradigm and I could put a third one together, which was, hey, you're going to have to know how to do some dude shit, right? I need you in your body. I need you to celebrate the fact that somewhere in there is a guy who knows he can build things, he can hunt things, he can fuck. And you guys, suicide rates and mental health depression rates, addiction rates, et cetera, aren't where they are because we're so eloquent with our feelings and our expressions and our understanding of the feminine, nor is the planet where it's at, nor is the experience of so many women where it's at because we respect the feminine. Mm. So let's bring the two together and start honoring the primal, which is that which is just in our male DNA, in our testosterone, in our balls. And let's open men up to the idea that there's something divine and that's not God or Jesus or, or other religious oriented, but it's consciousness. How do we experience emotion? How do we experience love? How do we experience relationship? And I wanted to package all of that in a way that men would read it. Hmm. So I wrote it from the perspective of a cage fighter who also meditates. So I needed to, to speak to men, right? I, I was a fan of David Data and John Wineland, like fabulous, fabulous guys. But I couldn't see like a plumber in Indiana picking up the way of the superior man and going, oh, wow, there's, he's talking about fucking my woman to God. I know what that means. This guy has no clue. And, and he shouldn't because he's just not on that path yet. So how do I get him to wake up and go, huh, maybe there's more beyond this book. But this book is the, it's the, um, what do they say, like the gateway drug. Right. Like I wanted the book to be the gateway drug into male consciousness. Right. I'm like diet Coke and a little bit of Bud Light for, for men. Right. And then, Oh, there's champagne and cognac and wow, that's where I wanted it to be. And so to summarize what you just said is like, 
um, this uncivilized man that is, um, you know, in the title of your book as well, that's sort of your take of, 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 new, of new masculinity or the synthesis of, of the two broken paradigms. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. And it was what I felt when, when I watched guys go through this process of, oh, wow, I had a client who was very intellectual, worked for a tech company, but didn't have any grounding. You know, for three weeks or four weeks, I made him lift a lot of weights and then walk around his, his, uh, his block in New York City and touch every building. I was like, this is your neighborhood, man. Like, I want you physically touching the buildings. I want you engaged with where you live. And just that, like, changed his whole life. It changed his whole relationship. I needed him like back in his body and primal. And I've got so many guys who come to me like, I work out five days a week. I run mountains. I mountain bike. I surf. I ski. I this. I'm like, huh, how do you feel right now? I'm hungry. Okay. That's <laughs> Thank you. Uh, please get a sandwich. And then how, and I'm not trying to pick on guys, but how do you feel in your body? What are your sensations? how do you feel when you're talking to your partner? Do you express to her that you or him that you have feelings and then watching him, like I have had a guy or a number of guys where every hour on the hour, they would have to message me three feelings that they have. <laughs> and you know, the first hour is like, this is fucking stupid. I feel fucking stupid sending you this. I'm like, okay, good. Let's wait and see what happens with hour two. Oh, you are frustrated, a little disappointed and hungry. Okay. Brilliant. What's our three? And, and that synthesis, I think you used the right word on us. It's synthesis yeah. of both. Like the world is calling for both right now. And when men, I think, get in touch with both, we relax to a period of going, oh, I know I can handle my shit. Mm. And I know I can experience something beyond my body and beyond the physical, tangible world. And, and how is that for you? Because we've been uh talking about this a lot and and for us our journey has also been of, of like thawing you know coming out of trauma being very disembodied in that sense not really in touch with feelings pretty much stuck in the head and mm -hmm. gone through this yeah year process of years and years of you know developing that other side as well and that's also what we're trying to teach men nowadays like how do you connect to that other side how do you connect to this feeling side, for example, how was that for you? Was that always there or was it also a path of, of discovery? It was entirely a path of discovery, right? When my marriage ended, I realized just how numb I had been for 39 years mm. and had zero sense. And if someone had asked me, how do you feel in this moment five years ago, I would have been either angry, horny, or hungry. Like those were the three that I knew. And so I had to go down the same process you guys, and, and I'll be perfectly honest, I am far better at describing it and writing about it and teaching it than I am in the practice. I'm still like, a, I feel like a white belt when it comes to emotions, when it comes to feelings. I'm really, really advanced at picking up heavy shit and punching people in the face and creating businesses and that stuff. So it's still, it's, it's frustrating, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, but I had to go through the same learning experience that these, these yeah. guys do as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. It, it reminds me of this, this quite deep quote in my opinion, you teach best what you need to learn most. 
110%. And then have to drop out of the teaching hat, like take that off and go, just because I can teach it doesn't mean that I've got it fully in every situation. And, And as you guys know from relationship, it's like every day is like, oh, still a white belt. Shit. I thought I had this mastered. Right? Yeah. <laughs> God, they just got my blue belt. Oh, they took it away and gave me back another white belt. Oh, wow. I'm happy being a perpetual white belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a lifelong process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's funny you mentioned this thing about uh, lifting weights and punching people in the face and stuff because at face value and, and you know, we don't know you that intimately and nor do many of your readers, I guess, you come across as sort of quite an archetypal man, you know, MMA fighter, bouncer, surfer, you're muscular, you, you know, I can imagine that this to, to at least, you know, the, the snag man, sort of the new age, uh, hippie man, you come yeah. across as quite intimidating or, or sort of almost, yeah, almost a representation maybe of, of paradigm number one being the Marlboro man. So how do you, do you get that comment often and how do you, do you try and reach also the, 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 the part of, the, of the, the male population, so to speak, that might be intimidated by your, your cage fighting capabilities? Yes, it is, it is a challenge I didn't realize until it was vocalized. Where I would have guys say, like, I find you intimidating as hell. And I have to remember that I'm not the 14-year-old boy with acne and braces whose sisters used to beat him up. And, or the guy who got divorced or all the times women have said like, you're, you're an idiot. And so what I, I feel like what I've been put on, on earth to do is to take more of my group, the, the 1950s Marlboro guys, the athletes, the guys deep in that world and bring them over to the consciousness side. Mm. And then what's been a byproduct of that is going to very spiritual communities and feeling like these guys are just going to think I'm a meathead. And then actually finding out that if I speak from my heart and talk about things that are hard and talk about things that I've gone through that have been traumatic, that, oh, there's an instant relatability that we may have very different bodies and expressions in the world, but man, I've been through the same shit you guys have. I've just been through it in a different body. And so, yes, it's a little bit of a, a, a hurdle to get through. And I know when I, the front cover of the book is a gorilla. Like yeah. it is very masculine. It is very aggressive. And so I, I have to tempt, and that's my nature. And so that's like my default programming is like, I like to wrestle. I want to go shoot guns. I want to do guy shit. And so living on the other side though is where the real gem is. Because mm-hmm. you can go follow Jocko Willink. You can follow Tim Kennedy. You can follow the UFC and you're going to get that stuff. Yeah, But really, my own gems and the gems for men are over here on the consciousness side and the emotional side. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm, I'm really happy. Something in me really lights up when you speak about this stuff. Because I always, guys like Jocko Willing or um, uh, what's the hardest man on earth called again? Dave, David Goggins and stuff. David Goggins, yeah. Like they speak, I always think true but partial. Like they speak, a part of me gets alive and online when, when I hear guys like that speak, but it's always, yes, and something is missing. So I'm, yeah. it's, really, it's really inspiring to speak about sort of the, yeah, the, the bridging sort of the gap with so-called spiritual community. I guess both of us, Temer and me, I hope I can speak for you in this scenario as well. I think we come more from sort of this, the spiritual community and, and are kind of finding 
at least I, let me let me speak for myself like i found sure. you know working out and all that stuff a little later like mm-hmm. i was meditating first and then and then started kickboxing and lifting weight later as sort of because i felt something was missing in 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 sort of you know just meditating or yeah um so yeah it's 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 really uh, inspiring to hear about these and i i do really believe that that's sort of where we're heading or where we should be heading anyway with this new paradigm or this this new um masculinity and this yeah let me let me jump in if i can and share another piece of that yeah you know, i don't know if you've read any if you've read um the way of men by jack donovan no Ooh, i have that on my list actually yeah, yeah he's, he's yeah. a little polarizing of a figure but uh when he wrote the way of men i first read it and here was his description of masculinity was imagine being in a village and that village was then suddenly under attack mm. What were the, what would the qualities that you'd look for in the men? Is it leadership? Is it risk-taking? Is it willingness to fight and protect? Is it willingness to, to hurt? It's like, that's masculinity. And I went, wow, that, that just, yes. And what happens after the battle? What happens when you look at your brother and go, oh, wow, you're not okay. How, how we need to talk to you. We need to make sure like we need to get together and talk about all the bad shit that we just oh, take that word back all the hard shit that we just did and make sure that we're not traumatized and then go back to the village and traumatize the village ourselves. And so that's where I felt like the missing piece was. And so, and uh, an adjunct to that is uh, before I started all of this work, I was in an ashram in Guatemala and long story short, there had been some, some challenges with uh, um, locals and the female travelers. So I offered to teach a self-defense course to anybody in the town. There's open self-defense course. Mm. And there were two, two camps that kind of came from that. One was like, holy shit, this is amazing. We have someone that can teach self-defense in an ashram. Let's do it. And then the other camp was, we don't want to even admit that that violence exists and that perhaps if we admit that we're going to cut off our connection to god and i was like oh shit that's that's kind of heavy what if we just call it a boundaries workshop right and so i taught the quote boundaries workshop unquote that had like elbowing people in the face and biting their ears and all of this and it was the community that was most afraid of it that afterwards those were the people that came up and said ah it felt so good to remember that I'm strong. It felt so good to remember that I have agency over my own body. Mm. And that really lit me up of, oh, both sides of this coin need medicine, right? The people who are spiritual and divine, God bless you. And and yeah, you got to know how to climb out of a burning building and punch someone in the face. And you guys who are climbing out of buildings and punching people in the face all day, you've got to mend your broken hearts. Yeah. Because you guys go home and beat your wives or you guys go home and drink a 12 pack every night before you can go to sleep. So let's bring both sides to this equation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Super yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'd like to make a, a little transition into sure. uh, another topic and I'm going to read you uh, one paragraph of the intro to your book um, as sort of to introduce this. And it it reads, and then the quote starts here. I was birthed by a woman, grew up with two older sisters and have spent the vast majority of my life with women by my side. And as much as I love and respect women, 
They cannot teach men how to be men. They've tried. It does not work, nor would it work were the roles reversed, quote ends. So can you comment on that quote? Because what I hear in it is like, men kind of need to teach men how to be men or, or men have a unique role to play in teaching other men how to be men. But now I'm already filling it in for you. So yeah. maybe, you can, maybe you can just comment on the quote. Sure, sure, sure. You're, you're spot on. And what I believe is that there is something innate in both, and we're just going to say both genders will just be by gender here for this mm -hmm. conversation, that there's something innate in us as men that women will never understand and will never experience. Just like I, I have a background in traditional Chinese medicine. I can tell most women more things about their menstrual cycle than they will ever know. Yet I've never had one. And so I can't speak to what it's like to have a period. Yeah. I can tell you the luteal phase, the follicular phase, like all this shit. But I can't say this is what it's like to have a period. And so I view the same for men. And so much, especially here in the US, we have this absenteeism of fathers. We have this absenteeism of male-on-male -male communing. It's, we, we turn 16, fall in love with women, and suddenly spend the rest of our lives with them. Or even younger, we have single mothers, which God bless them. They're, they can teach you how to be a good human. But there's something about walking the earth in a male body, about living, breathing, fucking, falling in love, eating, creating in this body that's unique. And it wasn't until I got around men, groups of men who said, did you know that the nature of men is this? And I went, why didn't, wait, wait, why isn't someone, why am I 39 years old learning this? Why hasn't this been here before? Mm, and so yeah. I think that's the importance, right? Like you guys can talk to me about being, we can instantly talk about being men. We've, we've been men. Yeah. And, and that's thus what's missing. And this is something that I took out of, uh, I think it was Iron John, if you've read ah, that book. I'm so right? happy because it was, the next, it was the next thing I was gonna say. Have you read Iron John? I have. And he talks about the osmosis. Yeah. Right? That like somehow masculinity almost gets passed from father to son if they're together. Yeah. Or from brother to brother or from male to male if they're together. You can't read a book about masculinity and really understand it. So I think that's just one of the biggest missing pieces. And guys, I get reached out to daily by moms who are raising sons saying, what do I do? His, his father's on the other side of the country. His father's absentee. His father's in prison. His father's an alcoholic. What do I do? And they say, get him around other boys. Yeah. Get him around other men who are safe. Get him around men who have done the work. Yeah. So exactly. yes, I completely believe that statement that, Women can teach you how to be great humans, great everything, except men. And one of my biggest teachers, Michaela Bohm, has said, I can teach you all about the divine masculine, all about relationships, all about sex. I have never been a man one day of my life. Yes. So how can I teach you how to be a man? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think there's two other sort of themes in that book, Iron John, which is a, a classic and a seminal book, I guess, in the so-called man's movement. Mm -hmm. um, and one is, you know, male initiation. So I think what he does through this mythical historical lens that he takes, I mean, he's obviously a great intellectual, this uh, yeah. John Bly. Robert Bly, yeah. Robert Bly. 
um, Iron John, Robert Bly, um, where he take, where he basically says all these so-called tribal cultures have had a male initiation where boys, you know, in their early teens are kind of taken away from the nuclear family and, you know, raised by elders, by, by other men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's absent in, in modern Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really spoke to me as well. It's like, oh, so this whole, this whole idea of like, even if the nuclear fam- family stays intact, you know, mother, father, and gen- you know, normally sp- speaking to kids, mm-hmm. many cultures had like groups of, of elder, elderly men sort of, mm. yeah, kind of, kind of taking boys into the, the mysteries and the, and the secrets of what it means to be, to be right. a man. And again, like something, something in, my, in my body just lit up reading right. that. And it's yeah, we, we don't have it. Go ahead. No, oh, yeah, it's something that we really missed, you know, and it's something that I personally would love to reintroduce uh, somehow. You know, now we're mm. we're working with grown men, but uh, this idea of of yeah, taking young men and letting them experience how it is to be with a group of healthy, you know, accessible male role models that are grounded, that know what to do and 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 know yeah. how to yeah sort of uh pass on this idea of how to live life and what your core essence and strengths are and acknowledge that and yeah that that's just this beautiful idea and vision that that i have yeah yeah think about it if if we were all three of us to ask each other when did you know you became a man i wouldn't really uh, i'd be like um i don't know when i turned 18 yeah. But because the government told you you were a man and, and I've gotten some flack for this from women, but I still stand by it that having the men, the men arc, having a menstrual cycle start is at least something mm. we use the term here in the West of, of almost jokingly like, Oh, now you're a woman, you've become a woman. But with boys, we, we just don't. Yeah. And so we have these almost pseudo initiations of like, Oh, we just go get drunk or you have sex for the first time, right. or you join the military, yeah. or something that, but there's no, no one ever says, hey, have a seat. This is what men do. Yeah. This is what you should, this is what's going to be asked of you. Yeah. This is what's going to be expected of you now that you are on this side. You've transitioned from boy to men. Yeah. And at least here in the US, I don't know how it is there, we have this epidemic of boys running around in men's bodies yeah. whether they're 45 years old or 20 we have guys that are like essentially lost right they're they're doing boy things yeah. like really you're 32 years old you live with your parents you play video games and you get high every day and then you jerk off to porn yeah that just doesn't sound like when i think man yeah. i don't think those things and i have no issue with porn getting high or playing video games there's, but there's something about the archetypal transition that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, and guys like, uh, if you guys know the Sacred Sons, great group. Yeah. They're starting to do some initiation work. Ryan Mickler's starting to do some initiation with Order of Man. We're realizing that, huh, even if it's contrived per se, that like we don't rip the boy out of his home in the middle of the night, yeah. take him out in the woods and give him like, four tabs of, of, of something like if you come home in the morning with a deer, you are a man. Like yeah. that's probably going to lead to some lawsuits, but yeah. we have to have something. One, one of the a beautiful experience I got to be a part of 
years ago was a friend of mine took his 13 year old boy and it was just started at like 10 o'clock at night. He had to walk a mile with his dad and he had to do it's 10 miles. Every mile that man had taken one of us and placed us somewhere unique. So I was about 250 yards out in the surf in the ocean and his kid had to swim out to me, sit on a surfboard, and for 15 minutes, I talked to him about what it was like to be a man, what I thought he needed to know as a man, what I appreciated about men, and then he swam back, and then his dad walked with him for another mile. And at the end of the night, which ended around three or four o'clock in the morning, this young man had at least had something. And he also knew he had 10 men in his life that any 24 hours a day, you got an issue, hop on the phone. And that's, 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 uh, that's 10 more than most guys, you know what I mean? It's 10 like, more than most guys, right? That story really gives me goosebumps. Huh? Right, look at, yeah, I'm what with you. talking about, man. Yeah, yeah right. both in the positive and in the negative, because in, in the positives, like, give me go- oh, goosebumps as well. But it's also yeah. tragic that we have to, like, that we have to kind of devise our own, you know, rituals like this, because it's, it's this is, this should be on a cultural level. This should happen. You know what I mean? This should happen with all 13 year old boys. All 13 year old boys should go through, I feel right. through initiations like this. A hundred percent. Imagine if you'd learned about consent at 13. Imagine if you learned about sexuality other than like, you're just supposed to fuck as many women as you can and try not to come too fast no. or here's porn. This will teach you everything you need to know. It's perfect. Something where he went, Oh, yeah. I'm also responsible and I have a role in society. Yeah. Oh, I have a place here. I'm not just this wandering person that, that yeah. does bad and takes what I want and needs to live either here or down yeah. below. Yeah. It's, it's, it would be beautiful. I think it would change a lot of things. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's make that, let's make that a, Go for it. Yeah, go for it, guys. Yeah. I'll come. If you guys do it, I'll fucking come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I'm, I'll I'm go through it. It's like that's I think that's that's really where we are, like the two of us is like I'm I'm continuously inspired and, and it's like I think it's it's also like a matter of actually believing, like, okay, so now let's just do it. Let's just that's what we did with the men's course that's starting on, on Saturday, which is okay. You know, it's let's do it. You know what I mean? And, and, and the same thing with this, like, fuck man, I'm, why not like build this and, and go, go and go and offer it at schools and say, Hey, we have this initiation thing. Well, people might look at you a bit weird when you talk about initiation and stuff, but you know, <laughs> just as, a, as an idea, I think, the framing a bit, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A little bit of healthy branding may help. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But the point being is like this initiation thing is like across the globe, across history, across cultures, it was almost always there. And like you surf, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, both of us surf, surf as well. Oh, amazing. And this was in South Africa. I was on a surf trip actually. And I spoke to this dude my age at the time, like early 20s, uh, a Sosa from the Sosa tribe. Uh, and, <laughs> and he told me his initiation ritual fucking brutal by the way because they in that culture they circumcise when you're 16 or something Ooh. which is part of the and i'm i'm not i'm i really want to emphasize it that i'm not in favor of of circumcising any human being but it's part of that culture and he talked about like you know that whole ceremony and how they live up to it and then and then the pain of it happening and, and then they're sent into the into the the bush to kind of heal alone for like three months and, and hunt and mm. for themselves and stuff and so 
the the sort of Dutch kind of Western part of me was really fascinated by that. It's like, right, hey, right. what happened when you're, what, what was I doing when I was 16? You know, I was, like you say, I was, off the yeah, I mean, jerking <laughs> off the board mags and, and, and smoking weed or, or I don't right. know what I was doing, but, but definitely not stuff that profound. So, right. At a time when you're, when you are transitioning, right. Yeah. Why are we smoking pot and jerking off the porn mags at that age? Cause we don't know what else to do. Yeah. We haven't been given the role of, Hey, this is what's, what's needed of you. And yeah. so you have this entire gap of 15 years, perhaps where guys don't even think they're needed. Yeah. Like, Hey, we need you. You have a role, you have a place. We need you. And so much of this book was even developed because I spent 39 years of my life hearing, we don't need men. Yeah. We don't need you guys anymore. Yeah. And then, then the opposite though, of like an inbox every day of like, we, we need you. I, I need, I want, or I want a man. We need a man. We need men and women to come together for the consciousness evolution. Yeah. Sure. You don't need us to go hunt your food or to like stand guard on your back porch and protect you or to give you a paycheck. But yeah. if we want to rise evolutionarily and conscious, that has to happen yeah. together. It has to be a synergy of the masculine and yeah. feminine. Yeah, the balance has to be there. Yeah. One thing, yeah. one thing that really struck me in your book is that you dedicated actually to, or one of the people you dedicated to is your own father. And you describe him, quote unquote, as the first and greatest man I've ever known. Mm -hmm. Can you? Yeah, sure. I have a very unique relationship with my father in that we don't have a close personal relationship. Uh, and, and as he's gotten older, it's gotten a little bit harder health-wise. But to my core, I am who I am because of watching him, watching his dedication to work, watching his dedication to the family, watching his dedication to his craft, and yet also realizing, wow, there was so much that wasn't taught to him yeah. that he then couldn't teach to me. Yeah. So he is my greatest teacher as a man in both his successes and let's just call them his shortcomings. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wish I had a very different relationship. And I know so many men because of, of the age, like my dad came out of, his dad came out of the depression where it was simply like, you got food on the table, you got a job, that is, everything is great. Anything else is, actually, you know what, forget about everything else. You're That's talking your, about, you're talking about the, the, the depression. The know, depression, the, the Great Depression the, here in the 1930s US. depression, yeah. Yeah, that time period, right? He came out of World War II. He was on the beaches of Normandy. So this was a man who, who saw some extraordinarily awful things returned and then built a family. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I'm super open about having a, a, a struggled or a challenged relationship with my own father and knowing so much of what was missing in my own upbringing as a man was he never sat me down and said, this is what men do. But he got up and went to work every day. He was so generous with his time, with his money, with his energy that I could say, okay, he's a good man. Yeah. He's, he's got his shortcomings. Of course, he grew up in a different time. There was no fucking internet. Yeah. And he showed me how to be a good man. Yeah. It yeah. took me a while. The rest was up that. to me. Yeah, it took me a while to see that in my own dad. Like growing up, I was not able to appreciate that and have that nuance of seeing you know, the, 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 the fighter, the lion in him, you know, doing everything for his family. And at the same time, yeah, realizing that those shortcomings were 
uh, yeah, a result of his own trauma or his own yeah, history. And at the time, I, you know, as a kid or growing up, I would just mostly see like, man, this guy is the example of how I not want to be when I grow up. And as I, you know, grow older, sort of, I see all these things happening. The relationship also, also improves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very important, important sort of um, thing to see through that, you know, your, your father or your grandfather or your, your, your male line that they all did what they could, you know, under their circumstances. And I For think sure. it's, it's even a sign of sort of maturing yourself when you're, when you're starting to see that and, and stop sort of playing the blame game and saying, Oh, you know, my dad was, was, you know, this and that he didn't do and therefore i now i'm struggling with with right. such for, for me sure. it's that, such that's... radically different times yeah. you know the last 20 years of human history are unlike anything else in the last 10 years when we got these guys when we got cell phones and the internet yeah. suddenly it was this huge amount of information and growth and evolution but i i mean i remember when we just got a magazine in the mail once a month yeah. and that was entertained there were t- 10 channels on the tv because you were 40 44 44 yeah so i was born in 76 yeah yeah completely different time yeah completely different now you can say that again um there's there's one one last uh, question on 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 my list here on on this side of the computer screen i think uh, my friend tamra has a few questions (laughs) for you as well you can talk for hours man yeah that's for sure but um but yeah, I'm I'm a journalist by trade, so I like to like okay. off all my questions, you know. Before. Sure, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Otherwise, some some part of me does it can't can't relax. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's the OCD. <laughs> so it must yeah. be the OCD, yeah. <laughs> but um, this is a, a a saying. I think it comes from the book, but Demer told me about it, and I thought it was fascinating. And um, I'd love for you to speak about it. And it's it basically says, quote unquote, "Be dangerous, but not a danger." Yes. Could you, could, you, uh, could you say more about that? Sure. I spent my life with a number of dangerous men. Mm-hmm. Guys who were elite ex-military, uh, high-level fighters, uh, guys that you just didn't know that they were either combat vets, killers, or could just take you apart with their bare hands like that. And to me, they weren't a danger. To me, they were actually the safe safe people in the room. They weren't posturing. They weren't running around. They weren't yelling about how awesome they were and how, how dangerous they actually were. And if you spend time with elite military or elite fighters, you have no idea. Maybe you can look at their ears. Maybe you look at their body, but they're quiet. They're calm. They're in control of themselves. They're in control of the room. And what I found was they, they, they have created agency. They know they have agency over the world, over themselves, over other people, if need be. Therefore, they have no need to overcompensate for that and, be, and have power over, yeah. right? So they have inner power. They have power within. Therefore, they don't need to dominate. They don't need to run around with a, waving a flag like, look at me. Look how tough I am. Look how strong I am. Look how dangerous I am. To me, especially in the American culture, these are dangerous men. The guys who don't understand how powerful they are, that don't understand that a male body is very different than a female body. I don't know if you guys saw the video that I posted a couple days ago of one of the riots here in the US. 
and there's a, a cop car that had gotten burned. It's I think in Seattle. And some of the protesters, one particular, reached into a car and pulled out a machine gun. And you see him just standing there. I just got chills again. Just kind of holding it awkwardly. He doesn't really know what to do with it. And uh, a security guy who is an ex-military, ex-Marine, walks right up to him with a pistol, puts a pistol in his chest, rips the gun out of his hand, dis disarms it, like unloads it, and then carries it himself. And my point was the man holding the machine gun was dangerous because right. he had no idea what he had in his hands. He's never fired one. He doesn't know the emotion behind it. He's never shot. He's never shot anybody. And the dangerous quote, man, the guy with walking up directly with intention, with purpose, with a pistol is actually the safe part of the, the scene. And that illustration to me was perfect because actually the first guy was a danger. He, he was a danger. Yes. Yeah. He yeah, was yeah, a danger yeah. because he wasn't dangerous. He had no idea. He wasn't fluent in violence. He wasn't fluent in, in weapons. Yeah. That makes it like when I, when we, before we got on the call, when I said there's 2 million new guns sold in America, to yeah. me, that is just a huge danger. Yes. And so if we go, if we take a step back energetically, when I know guys know how to fight, When I, and being in the martial arts world, especially when they know, like they've done jujitsu, they've done MMA, they've done kickboxing, they've done boxing. They're very calm people. Right. They're very polite people because their ego has won. If you guys know from training, the more you train, the more you get your ass handed to you. And you realize like, I'm not the special God's gift to fighting. I just got punched in the face by a 15 year old girl. So I'm going to calm the fuck down and stop trying to prove to everybody how cool I am. Yeah. Two, I realize the gravity of what I know. I realize I actually can hurt somebody with this. I can do real damage here. So I have to temper that with my emotional training, with, my, with a meditation practice, with going, well, I'm not going to take the lid off this thing because if I do, someone's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Where so many men I see, they don't realize how much power they have. Yeah. They don't feel like they have any power or they haven't honed this skill So they're running around doing as much damage as they can. And they are an actual danger. That makes sense. I know it's nuanced. It makes, I get questioned on this one a lot. lot sense. No, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, for me also, my personal experience, like doing martial arts since I was like, seven. Uh, yeah, I, I exactly know what you're talking about when you're, when you're saying like, yeah, uh, you, you get more calm, more collected because you know you can just, yeah, do stuff. If, if necessary, but you know, definitely you want to just prevent it. And that's a, a beautiful yes. thing that comes with mar martial arts and training that there is a sort of discipline in, yeah, just not wanting or needing to go there. Uh, yeah. yeah. And if we look at this even more nuanced, like if we go really nuanced to the emotional and reactive level, I say someone who's meditated for years, they're dangerous. They're dangerous to society because they're non-reactive. We can't get this guy to buy into our marketing. We can't piss him off and make him join our group. Like, ah, oh, you're kind of, but he's not a danger. He's not reactive. He's not going to fly off the handle, right? When I was 19, I watched this symposium on uh, Zen meditate on Zen Buddhism at, at university. And there was one guy who didn't fucking move. He just sat literally And I'm 19. So imagine I'm just like, like literally can't sit still. Like this is the entire time. And to me, that, that guy's dangerous. 
because I can't read them. I can't figure them out. Like, why are you so calm? What's, 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 what do you have that I don't? And it's like that sense too. So it's not just guys go take kickboxing. Guys go learn, learn how to shoot guns. It's make yourself the master of your own being yeah. and you will be dangerous to the world, but you will not be a danger. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I can imagine um, or I'm actually quite sure that, that this speaks to a lot of people, your message. Uh, mm -hmm. But I can also imagine that you're catching a lot of flack. Oh, yeah. From oh, another yeah. You know, segment of society. Is that, is that true? And how do, you, how, do you do, how do you handle that? Oh, man. Like, I try to take it with as much of a grain of salt as possible. And will do my best to explain it. And then at some point say, you just don't get it. Or I also acknowledge the fact that there are highly trained men who are traumatized and are a danger. Yeah. And so it's, it's also, you have to do the inner work on your own trauma. Yeah. So you get a guy who's done five years of therapy, shadow work, you know, punching the pillow and crying in front of men's groups. That guy is dangerous, but not a danger. Yeah. And so it's, it's very nuanced. And I also realize that a lot of people who message me about this one in particular, they've been hurt by men. And yeah. so it's understandable. And I have empathy and say, yeah, I get it. Uh, I'm not calling to be like, Hey, let's just give everybody guns. Let's give everybody karate training and kickboxing training because there are professional fighters who are rapists and assholes. There are high level military who are rapists and assholes. And it's not just this blanket statement, but if I look at most of the men's world, right? When I teach men, I teach them something physical. I teach them all how to wrestle. I teach them all how to defend a choke and how to throw a punch. And at the end of that two hour workshop, I look at the guys who came in, the smaller guys, the more meek guys, the, the guys who you're like, oh, he, he's a very intellectual, but not physical. And I just see how they carry themselves with a little bit more confidence, not bravado, not arrogance, but oh, I'm okay in the world. And then therefore they're just not running around trying to prove it to everybody. And at least here in America, when men feel disempowered, we get power. We prove how big we are if we feel small with a gun, with our fists, or our dicks, none of which have positive outcomes. And so if we just gave that guy a sense of self and said, hey, you are powerful. Don't need to prove it. Think of how much less violence and sexual violence and domestic violence we have. Absolutely. That's what I'm after. Do, yeah. you, do you have a sense of, of, at least in the United States, of like, do you feel like you're sort of, you know, this, this island in a, in, a, in a sea of ignorance? Or, or do you feel that there's, that there's an actual sort of nascent movement? And do you feel like, can you see allies like the Sacred Sons you mentioned or, um, you know, um, John Wineland? Or, but there's, they seem to me, from my perspective, guys like you or in all, you know, uh, in all humbleness, like, like us, although we are, we're just, you know, starting, but, but like few and far between, what is, what is your sense of like, can you orient yourself in, in like, sure, 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 sure. I think we are the tip of the iceberg, but if I go back to two of my biggest influences in the first in a decade ago was jujitsu and CrossFit. And I remember finding both when people were like, we don't even know what these words mean. This is, and what do you guys, you guys choke each other on a mat or you run around the block and then lift weights. It's stupid. Yeah. And then, Oh, 10 years later, 
there's a jujitsu school on every corner and CrossFit's gotten so big that they had to like close gyms down. And so I feel like that's where we are. Man talks, sacred sons, myself, evolving man, samurai brotherhood. And I know I'm leaving out a ton of them and I apologize to you guys, even the ones that are so unknown, like the fact that this conversation's happening, the fact that guys are engaged with this, that guys do read the book five years ago, this wasn't a thing. Like I give Connor Beaton who runs man talks. Like he was the one that I knew and I was like, wow, you, what do you even do right. five years ago when I first heard of him and now it's, I'm doing it. So yeah, I think it's, it's happening. It's just a little bit of an anomaly and there's a lot of guys who just haven't woken up to it and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Cause there are every day there's more and more and more and more and more of guys who are, and the more guys who do, and then men see them and, and, and come up to them and go, hey, what's, what's different about you? You seem to be doing really well and you weren't two years ago. And they're like, oh, I do this weird thing where I get together with a bunch of guys and we talk about our feelings and it's actually really rad and awesome and cool and I feel great and my marriage is great and I'm having more sex and I'm making more money and I'm, going to, I'm working out more. And those are the three where, where men are like, really, tell me more about this weird <laughs> gathering of it's amazing, yeah. It's amazing to see in our circle that every every time when when new guys pop up, they're like so amazed. You know, these are guys in their thirties or forties. Um, yeah, like sharing at the end of this circle that you know they've never experienced something like that before, or being in a group of guys like that and being so authentic and raw and 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 vulnerable. Also, which is like, yeah, it's amazing, but also so uh, grateful to, to experience that and. To see guys sure. showing up to that you know and uh and, and it's not easy but uh it's it's very re rewarding also for them and uh, yeah that's beautiful and and one other thing that that came to mind is like these uh men that you mentioned like or groups or initiatives that, that i know a, a few of them and 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 i i think most of them are, are also really inspiring and good and doing great work and what i see is that these are mostly u.s initiatives and mm. what I was uh, feeling like, yeah, is there a gap between, you know, US and Europe in that sense? Or I felt at least like, man, I want to do something as well here and, and, you know, connect these continents almost. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that was also one of the reasons I was like, yeah, I need to talk to you because yeah, yeah I want to bring this work into Europe more and uh, yeah, just see how, how that connects, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, I can't speak to how it is there, but here I think me too is such a powerful movement of showing the mirror to American men. And then what followed suit was a lot of guys realizing, Oh, I'm part of a system that leads to addiction, suicide, divorce, obesity, diabetes, bankruptcy. Like I don't want to be a part of that. Or they just have this innate sense that there's got to be more to this. We are masters of the outer world. We've gone to the moon. I think we're, we've gone to Mars. Yet, oh, our suicide rates are indicative of a culture that doesn't know how to handle being human. Yeah. And I think at least here, that's the awakening of a, hmm, there's something else going on. And I will give full credit to American women of saying they've been very good at gently pushing us and patting us in the butt and saying, hey, there's a lot more out here than just you know, mowing the lawn and getting a paycheck, you may want to look into it. Yeah. And so I hope that, or I don't know, is, is that how it is where you guys are? I, what I feel, and, and I'm going to really, really generalize here, is that 
the, 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 the polarity is sort of gone almost. So it's, it's almost like a neutral state where men and women are sort of, yeah, balanced out, you know, but it's, mm. and, and, and as a result, I think guys are, you know, doing fine, not great, but yeah, fine. Or, or maybe not, uh, going into the, let's say the, the more uh, Marlboro man, masculine paradigm, but, but similar yeah, but to at, the more, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, suicide rates amongst men are, are like four or five times what they are women here as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There is this thing, and, and, and that's, I'm not quite clear on, I, I think it's systemic, you know, the, the, the patriarchy, so, so, so to speak, being a system that, that fucks up everyone, yeah. uh, men, men included, but there's maybe also something in the, in the male psyche, and maybe that's conditioned as well, that sort of, you know, gravitates maybe more towards isolation or, mm-hmm. you know, what we see, and, and I'm, I, I bet my ass on it that you that you have similar experience. I'm not sure, but like what we see is that we you know we post something about our men's work and then it's women reacting and commending us yes. like oh this is so great more men should do this you know they'll mm-hmm. they'll tag a few male friends of them of which which we never hear any anymore you know and then there's things like this is odd you know what I mean yeah the, 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 there's some sort of neutrality in in how guys feel about masculinity or how it's not even a topic. It's that's like, that's an assumption though i'm not sure if that's if, if that's if that's the case like yeah. I, I i would uh, i'm not sure like yeah. maybe but i'm also i'm i'm still a little bit in the mystery anyway about like mm. why why do women engage so much with you know so-called spirituality and, and self-development right. mm. and men seemingly far less like mm. for me if you you two have the answers then but i i'm i'm a bit baffled still yeah yeah, I have a thought on that. If you if you go back to, if we look at innately, is it culturally programmed that men are more interested in the outside world, right? And women are more interested in the inner world. Is that culturally programmed or is that just the energies of the masculine and feminine? Where I, I remember having a conversation a year or so ago with a feminist saying, why aren't men interested in this? And I said, why aren't women interested in construction? Right. Like, why aren't they interested in police work and fire departments? And, and like, if I drive by a huge building site in New York City, why is that 99% men who are out there doing it? Why were we the ones who built the roads and the electrical systems and the engineering and all of that? And is it culturally pro? And I know I'm generalizing as well. And there were women who were involved in that, but mostly. And is it that we have spent the last, especially here in the West, say 50 years building infrastructure working in the outer realm where women were actually doing work on the inner realm. And perhaps that's what's coming now. The call is, okay, you guys have built great buildings, but your families are falling apart. You built great buildings, but you're killing yourselves. So there needs to be a a rebalancing of the the masculine and feminine within both of us. And we saw this actually, at least here in the U S with the feminist movement that you have women high and CEO positions and dominant positions in business. And they entered the masculine world and, and dominated in it. And yet we are now just starting to come into the feminine world, which is the world of emotion and, and, and relationship. Like why is, if you have a relationship workshop, I went to one uh, two years ago, three years ago in New York city, Connor Beaton put it on with his wife and it was 195 women 
and five dudes. And I brought a dude and the, they were, you guys will love this. Like three of the women asked questions and they would stand up and be like, I'm here with him. And there'd be some dude that's just like cowering. It's <laughs> like, oh, this is the relationship space. It is more like David Data said it. Women are more interested in the relationship space. But if it was a, an investing workshop, if it was a deadlifting workshop, if it was something physical, it would have probably been 200. Like, why is jujitsu 99% men? Is it just cultural? Or is it something like when we see that, we're like, oh, wow, I want to learn that. When yeah. women see it, they're like, wow, that's sweaty dudes choking each other. That's kind of gross. Yeah. Just innately. Or it could be conditioning. I don't it's know. Both. I, mean, I mean, yeah, I think both, right? That is definitely that, you know, the masculine essence or the masculine energy wants to come out in certain ways. And that the ways that it comes out, which, which you could call manhood, is, is a social cultural construct and that shifts over time. And um, For sure. The way we sort of allow ourselves as men to to uh, to play out, to act out this masculine energy, this masculine essence, it 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 broadens sort of, you know, because yeah, where we used to may, maybe only construct or work out, now we also are are tapping into the, the masculine quality of stillness and and consciousness mm. and and sitting our ass down and meditating, like you you said, yeah, and it's it's yeah, it's becoming more full. In that. Yeah, uh, and then there's that's the a good way to feel more complete. Balancing out the feminine aspect and also allowing that, and and yeah. yeah. Still, I'm quite interested by the biology of this, of like, you know, the innate sort of biological differences that seem to exist anyway. Yeah, you know, I, I recall this thing about. Uh, apparently, this is really the case that men have better tracking vision. They are they're literally better able to follow a, to follow a fast object. Mm -hmm. you know, moving through space, whereas women seem apparently have 30% more peripheral vision, which right. seems to point mm -hmm. to like biological differences, you know, men shooting, shooting prey, women checking, if, women checking if, if, you know, if the village is kind of safe. And yeah. This, this might sound primitive, but, but apparently there's, I, I don't know, like the biology of all this seems to be, you know, swept under the carpet a little bit. Yeah. I, I've, I've said very openly to women there's two things that we can't identify of. with gender. It can be construct. It can be sex, etc. But I have testosterone, period. I have more of it than you do. And I can think, meditate, identify whatever I want to do. I cannot produce a baby. I cannot birth a baby. No. Like that, that shit's kind of locked. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I remember a woman, God, you'll love it. This is a fun conversation maybe two years ago saying the only difference between and she was maybe like 90 pounds or 40 kilos so soaking wet tiny little thing she said the only difference between you and me physically was our upbringing you were taught that you were going to be strong you were taught that you were going to have muscle you were taught that this this and this and that's why you're in that body and i'm in mine and i went that is as logical to me as saying the only reason i don't have ovaries is because my mom wasn't like, you have ovaries, you're gonna give birth, you're gonna be a beautiful birthing baby person. It's like, you, you gotta still deal a little bit with biology, right? Like your parents weren't like, you have beautiful ovaries and that's why you have them. Yes, there's a lot of things that are construct. Yes, there's a lot of it that is created and created by social cultural. But biology still biology, right? Like I still have a fuck ton of testosterone and I don't have ovaries. 
right? can't deny that no yeah and and you have like one and a half million years of homo sapiens in your dna you know out of which 98 percent of, of history you know was very very role divided it's only it's only since the, the industrial revolution 150 years ago that this all started to shift a little bit you know and, and maybe even in the last what what 20 years since the internet and the whole spiritual revolution that that you know we find ourselves in this space where where the yeah where people seek sort of this 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 merging yeah and 20 years is like 150 years is not a thousand years is nothing wow. 20 years is like it doesn't even it's not even a click of the second hand on the clock not even it's nothing a lifetime yeah yeah wow. so maybe maybe last question or topic to, to, to before sure. we round up uh is like okay we've been talking about how to reach men and and you know that it's also difficult so so how do you find ways to reach and address men in such a way that they get inspired that they yeah. get motivated that which which what language do we need to speak to reach men trevor <laughs> or do we or, or do <laughs> always go through their women or, or something like yeah. that. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. I have a predominantly female following and have sold more books to women than I've sold to men. You right. do. You wow. at, like chapter one is like, this is a book for men written by a man. And it was bought more by it. That's slowly shifting, but here's what I think it is. And I've, I've literally obsessed about this for years is everything's in relation to each, every, things change with friction, right? And so unless a man hits a hard enough friction point in his life, he gets divorced, he loses his job, he gets a illness, he goes bankrupt. Unless there's something that he rubs up against hard, it's not enough of a pattern interrupt to change him. Yeah. So it's a hard sell to tell a guy Hey, your life is about five years from now, your life's going to fall apart unless you do something right now. That's a hard sell hmm. because I've had a number of guys whose wives have reached out and said, Hey, I'm going to leave him in the next two months because of his drinking. And then can he call you? I'm like, yep, get this dude on the phone with me. I get him on the phone. I'm like, Hey, your, your wife's going to leave you in the next couple of months unless you quit. Drinking. He's like, no, she's not I'm like, well, she actually used those words with me and she's probably used those. Oh, she has used those words five times with you, but you don't believe her. And then three months later, I get the call from him. I can't believe she left. I, I just, I wish I didn't see it coming. And I'm like, I know. Don't worry about the phone call we had that, that never happened, but it takes that friction point, right? It takes, it takes both a friction point, And I'll say this with love and compassion for men. Cause it happened to me. The veil of our ego needs to get pierced. We have a very strong ego. And unless something drives right through that into our hearts or into our stomachs or into where the pain and the consciousness lies, we're just like, ah, this will, this will sort itself out. So I think that's step one is you're going to realize that a lot of guys will come to you at rock bottom yeah. or post-trauma. Number two, because that ego is so strong, so much of the self-developing message has this undertone that says, there's something wrong with you and we'll fix it. You're not good enough. Yeah. You're not good enough. It's, and, and 
I love women. And I say this again with compassion, more women have adopted the idea of original sin than men have. It's not in the culture. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the, so you tell women, Hey, there's generally something wrong with you and you need to fix it. And more of them than not will go, you're right. Let me work on that. And with men we'll go, you're full of shit, buddy. I'm amazing. And we don't hear that. So if we sell it to men as we can make you better, we, you want to make more money. You want to have better sex. You want to live longer. You want your kids to love you. You want to have a better relationship with your kids. This is how. But if we even touch on the idea that, hey, there's something you're not doing right or there's something wrong with you, men instantly turn off. Yet I could market to women all day. Like, hey, guess what? You're not enough and I'll make you enough. I would be having this call from a private jet. But if I said to guys, you're not enough and I can make you enough, I would have this call from like a cardboard box out on the street. So we've got to tell men, hey, you're, you know who's awesome? You are. You want to know who can get a little more awesome? You can. Like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, you're that's really how living I and you're really living. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why bubble bursts. Yeah, 90% of our conversations are with women because they're the recipients of the lack of awesome. They're the ones who have to deal with the guy who comes home drunk, the guy who isn't sexually fluent, the guy who isn't emotionally fluent, the guy who's abusive. They watch it all day long where we go, oh, let me look at these external markers. I I remember, guys, my ex-wife saying, you, I don't think you're okay. And I went, well, I have 8% body fat. My business makes a half a million dollars a year and we live in a nice house. So tell me what the fuck is not okay. And I didn't listen to the, you drink every night. You smoke dope every day. Our sex life's a nightmare. When I ask you if you're okay, you simply say one word, I'm fine. And clearly you're not fine. So we also have to get guys to look at the, the, the truth. What's the real truth? or to be open to having a conversation with their partner, if they are partnered, how are you doing in this relationship? What's your experience of me? And, and that question's a, it's a challenging one. Like I've asked it and been like, oh, I thought everything was amazing and I was awesome, but you're saying you can't feel me, you don't hear me, I don't communicate well, like, uh, but I wrote a book. I'm often also not, <laughs> that you know <laughs> compassionate just, in communicating <laughs> what is maybe the uh, issue then or where you could grow you know that's a whole yeah. different uh skill set to be able to lovingly and and constructively go into those conversations with your with your partner but what's the why yeah. of this though like what's the fucking why like why do why do men need to have their ego shattered and like hit rock bottom completely you know, before, you know, they get, they get the wake up call. Why is that? Like, is that the testosterone? Is that, what the fuck is that? I don't know if you're, I don't know. I mean, it could be a survival instinct of like, Hey, look at this. I've got a roof over my, my, my primal, uh, what's the, what's the hierarchy? Mas, my primal Maslow's needs are met. Like I'm good. Right. And so I think you and I too, or I'll just generalize for men we're really good at grinding through and sticking out what's not okay. Like, it's all right. Like, I'll just, I'll get through this. I'll just ride this out and it'll, it'll somehow get better. Where women, it seems like are far more attuned to the fact that like, this just isn't okay and that's not okay. Mm. 
And so they're a little more sensitive to that. So when we hit rock bottom, one, I think there's just a huge opening. Like the ego goes for a walk. And our egos collectively, because of the patriarchy or whatever we want to call because of being on the top so long, we're like, we don't need to change. Like, why do we need to change? Everything seems to be working out great for us. It's yeah. comfortable. But we don't look at the truth of the addiction, the, the suicide, the mental, and, and even homelessness, prison. We, we can go down the list. Yeah. We don't see that if it's not affecting us personally. I was at this amazing uh, relationship workshop that Esther Perel put on in New York and she brought up the, it was like a symposium. She brought up a therapist, older guy, older, older, older. Who's like, I've seen couples for 30 years and this is the gist of couples work. The couple comes in, woman lists a whole set of grievances. And then like, I'm just making, this is, he's telling a story. He's like, then she may leave and go to the bathroom and the guy will pull me in and go, Hey, everything's fine. We just need to get her to stop bitching about that list. <laughs> like, that seems to be yeah. like, that's the male idea of like, nothing's really wrong. We just need to get her to stop complaining and as opposed to us realizing one, there is something wrong or even better. It could be so much better. It'd be better. Yeah. Yeah. So guys need to also step into the idea that good enough is just good enough. Right? This is the beauty of why we have women in our lives. If we didn't have the feminine, most guys would be like, give me a video game console, give me some top ramen, and give me porn. And like, I'm, I'm set, dude. I'm good. Yeah. But that's, that's like, that, that fucking wakes up something rebellious in me because that kind of seems to feed into the, this idea that men are somehow primitive. You know what I mean? Like the average dude. Is that really true, man? If you give the average guy... A fucking video game and 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 uh, and and the takeaway pizza. He's happy. Like I I I just can't he's content. I, I'd I, say he's content. That, that contentness. That's what I recognize, and that's what I meant earlier when I when I said something about like neutrality. That that so, things are fine for a lot of guys. Like just fine, not great, but just fine. And that you know also in our society where. You know, in Europe, at least, you know, the, the, the standards of living are quite high. People are not, you know, usually in need of survival or stuff like that. Yeah. They, they sort of, you know, think or feel that they fit the picture that they were expected to, to fit into. And, um, yeah, I recognize what you said. Like, if you hit rock bottom or, I mean, it, 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 it's true for both of us at least as well. Like you need to hit a wall and, and, and yeah. then you start climbing up and, and thinking and seeing. And I have to say that, yeah, women absolutely challenge men. Uh, I'm not sure if they always pick the right way to do it, but the, yeah. the, they absolutely challenge them. And, and, and a lot of the times men are even then, you know, like you said with your example, not really catching on. And, and yeah. Um, I think we need to show men, like we got to sell the benefit of all of this. And, and the benefit can't just be, you don't get the negative. Yeah. It's like, I want to show you what it's like to be wealthy as opposed to try to fear you away from going bankrupt. And, and, and I think most men are like, but I'm not bankrupt. So everything's fine. You go, yeah. ah, but what about a life like this? What about feeling extraordinarily comfortable in your skin? What about having amazing sex that the feeling lasts for days and you get to see the spark in your woman's eye? Imagine taking your creative ideas and birthing them into the world. Think of how fucking juicy that would be. Yeah. Like, I don't hear a lot of that conversation or I didn't 
you know, a couple of years ago, especially where like we need to promote the space that men can move into as opposed to just promoting what they're doing wrong. And we need to celebrate that space. Yes. We need guys like you who are like, oh, wow, look at this. Look at our women. Look at our relationships. Look at our partnerships. Look at how great we feel. Where this is the average male experience, that's not good enough anymore. No. And, and the collective is calling for that, right? The world is calling for it, at least in America. I think for all men, like, hey, that's not enough. And we're calling for it with each other. Yes, like, really. hey, it's not okay to just be that way. Yeah. The, the evolution of the, the whole planet needs you to step into a different role. Yeah. Yeah. And that'd be, I mean, what it touches in me is what we talked about earlier. Like, where are the role models? You know, where are the examples that show us how you can live? Because it's, it's not like most men, I guess, and at least that's true for me or for us, that most men have a bunch of role models that show them how life can be, you know, even if you look out into society or the, the this great leaders that we have or men in, in, in higher up positions, you know, politically or, or in, in, in business or whatever. I mean, I don't think that they are great examples of all those facets of life that you just described, you know, maybe financially, but uh, sexually in, in love and relationships in, in brotherhood, you know, right, man. Uh, that I, I think that's what might be lacking, that there is no clue in most men how it could be because there's no men out there showing them um, exactly. and they'll get space to, to also show that. I think another thing that, that really that I'm becoming aware of now is sort of the, almost the dichotomy between egoism and altruism, where like mm. if you're saying, you know, I have a roof over my head, it's fine. You know, I think my relationship is sort of okay. But what about what about sort of this higher calling to like what is what is my role in the world like how can i how can i make which in everything i read about sort of you know divine masculine i don't like the word divine but like sort sure. of the, the healthy you know archetypical masculinity is mm. like you know the, the healthy king will will be of service to the community and will actually put the community and and like you know Nature's, I mean, the, 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 the fucking ecosystem is unraveling. Like we have, yeah. we have trouble on our hands, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like nothing is going on and we, we, we are fine just sitting on our couches, you know what I mean? Like right. it's really needed that, but what I'm seeing, I think our own path is, you know, is, is an example of that. And seeing a lot, a lot of think men want to like contribute, but have no idea how, like, exactly. okay, so yeah. what do I do? Mm. You know, yeah. where, how do I contribute? Like, and maybe that feeds into that thing, what you said earlier, that a lot of men are fed this idea that they're not needed. Um, right. Or have, yeah, have, have somehow internalized this voice saying, oh, everything, everything male is bad anyway. So I, I might just, you know, nobody needs my, my service. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's multifaceted. This is a really important part of the conversation because men learn by modeling. We learn by watching and seeing what our dads do, what other men do. That's how we learn most. So we need the models. And I think the models are now slowly emerging, but mm. there's been this gap where we didn't see them. And then to, to the great point of, of altruism, we have to let men know that there is a consciousness revolution. It is absolutely happening. Yeah. It's happening in the US. Like yeah. God bless Corona for as awful as it is. Yeah. It also sparked that awakening. Yeah. So we went to every single man and said, Hey, you can be a part of this. You actually have a role in this. You, you are the next for, you are the frontier leader. I remember listening to, uh, you guys know Stefano Stefandos. Yeah. yeah. Great dude. 
right? Yeah. I remember him standing in front of a group of people, a group of men saying, guess what? We've been as far as we're going to go in the outside world. We don't need to build buildings any higher. We don't need to go to a further planet. The actual new, the new uh, frontier is this inner world. So you guys want to be explorers. Like you want to be Huck Finn. You want to be Davy Crockett. You'll be all these American leaders and heroes. <gasps> That's the place to go. And I think when we can sell that and show men like, hey, this is your role, brother. You're here to raise the consciousness of the planet. So get off the fucking couch and get to work. Like, okay, okay, cool. Like, guys need a challenge. Yeah. Like from the beginning of time, this is what we've done. Hey, let's get together and try to go fuck some shit up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm super in. What, what, what is this thing that we're going to do and how are we going to do it? doesn't matter. Okay, I'm in. Can you even see us? Like, okay. Like, so come join our gang. What are you guys doing? We're raising the evolution of the planet or the consciousness of the planet. Yeah. How are you doing that? Deep inner work. Uh, well, no, 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 uh -huh. stay on the team, stay on the team. Trust me. It's gonna be <laughs> I know, I know it's a tough sell, but if we can get guys to go across the country and kill each other, across the world and kill each other, we can convince men to dive into like, to really grab onto that warrior archetype, that yeah. hero archetype and say, guess what? The hardest battle you will ever fight is facing your own shadow. If you want to go to fucking war, you want to armor up and Rambo up and go get something, Go deal with some of your issues from when you were a kid yeah. and do it with a group of men who are going to celebrate you. Who are going to be like, fuck yeah, look at you. Look how hard you cried on that mat. I fucking love you. <laughs> that will shift the perspective. Right? <laughs> God, I've seen it. You guys have seen it in men's group. Right? Like guys like high-fiving afterwards, hugging. They're like, oh, you just bawled like a baby on the, on the floor. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then go home and, look, and feel what is it like to stand across from your partner after one of those workshops where she's just like, I don't even know what I'm experiencing. Make love to her afterwards. Yeah. Go to work the next day. Have your male friends be like, dude, what is going on with you? What is different? Tell me what this thing is that you have. I want it. That's how we get men into this. Mm. As opposed to go buy another fancy car and have your buddies like, oh, I love your fucking G-Wagon. Great. We, we have enough of that. It's time to take that real exploration. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an awesome way also to uh, I think to round off. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having. I would have this conversation. We should just travel around the world and have this conversation publicly. Oh, man. <laughs> Three dudes and a mic. We'll call it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. COVID allows us. Yes, please. Let's. Yeah, I know. I know. Start doing this. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think I was actually supposed to be in Amsterdam this month except the whole thing got canceled yeah well but now you're getting to know your neighbors it's going to be amazing say again now you're getting to know your neighbors yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and if you ever find yourself here yeah well, i will find myself i said next year the tour is going to go on it's just going to be next year god god willing that we're all able to travel yeah you know all right so thanks a lot for this conversation thank you very much appreciate it yeah and uh Cheers, guys. all the best yeah